Broncos superstar Billy Graham and the Hulks are all in it. Can you imagine that? No, I can't imagine that. But I'd rather watch this video than listen to your lousy voice for one more second. From Madison Square, Carl Palace, the World Wrestling Federation presents my movie. Two. What the world has come to. Mama don't like tattletales. Welcome everyone, Gorilla Monsoon here at ringside with my colleague Jesse the Body Ventura as the World Wrestling Federation presents the wrestling extravaganza of all time. My movie. Mania. Two. Enjoy it, folks, and right now, adventure. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to my movies better mania 2 live from the cow palace in san francisco episode 25 of my movies better i am kevin james harden here with my I'm, uh, dylan richie yes dylan my co-host dylan you son of a bitch and we are today here talking to you about wrestling movies very specifically movies that star or at least sort of star wrestlers uh and this week we are covering predator they live and 12 rounds starring respectively jesse the body ventura rowdy roddy piper and jarn Ciner. and so uh my pick was they live dylan your pick was 12 rounds yeah, 12 rounds and uh, the audience pick was Predator. So we're going to start off going back into the jungle in 1987. Literally. Our boy Arnie. Yeah, literally the day that Ronald Reagan gave his speech about the Mr. Gorbachev tear down that wall, John McTiernan's film Predator was released in theaters. The assets, Dylan. Expendable assets. It comes with the job. I can accept it. Bullshit. Just like the rest of us. Uh, John McTiernan, of course, the director of Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, and The Last Action Hero. Uh, three of my favorite movies, because uh, I love action movies. Um, it was put together based on a spec script about a uh, possible Jamaican Rasta warrior, uh, or perhaps a group of Jamaican Rasta warriors. Um, and then they switched that and turned it into a group of commandos human commandos fighting against one of them it stars as you said arnold which i don't think you need to know that's yeah. arnold schwarzenegger uh carl weathers jesse the body ventura uh el padilla carrillo and kevin peter hall as the predator it had a budget of 15 to 18 million i don't know why it's a a, a range yeah it's such a brand. but it is <laughs> it could uh, be an accurate number there yeah and it made 98 Point seven million dollars. It's certified. So it was a profit. Yeah, made a very good profit. Uh, certified fresh, eighty percent, and uh, with an eighty-seven percent 
audience score. Dylan, why don't you give me some of the taglines for there this movie? There are so many taglines for this movie. It's awesome. So I cut out the really long ones. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got, if it bleeds, we can kill it. And then another one is, uh, nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. <laughs> it came for the thrill of the hunt. It picked the wrong man to hunt. Ooh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Soon, the hunt will begin. These are all so intense. <laughs> they are. Even though the second one there was like not even true because literally in the movie she talks about how they'd been there before. But yeah. okay. <laughs> Just totally disregard the timeline <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. All right. So all right, we got a couple more too. Uh, nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. It came from another planet for the thrill of the hunt. It picked the wrong man. That was like a, a mixture of, of all three. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, as I'm saying it, I'm like, wait right. a second. All right, Read the, the last one's my favorite. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, we cannot see it, but it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. In this movie, Arnold will experience every meaning of the word pain. Hell, yeah, he will. That is so fucking badass. No deal. So this was, her movie was also released the same day as The Witches of Eastwick, which I've never seen, except for I remember the Mad Magazine parody, The Witches of Eck. <laughs> um, and I therefore I know that Jack Nicholson is in that movie, and I think like Cher and I don't remember. It's it basically it's it it's the only other movie from this uh, that was released around this movie that was as even close to as successful. Right. I think it made like forty million dollars. And uh, another one that I found was called. I just put this on here because of its ridiculous background story. The Million Dollar Mystery it was a 1987 American film, and it was the last film by uh, famed director Richard Fleischer. It was a promotional tie-in with the Gladlock brand bags. No way. No, I have not ever seen it, but I read that and I was like, I gotta mention that. How would you like four million bucks? Four million dollars. Yeah, four million dollars. I'm all ears. There's four million hidden in four different places. A million in each place. Federal agents, free. A madcap race to riches. They must be crazy. Sure, they're my folks. Million Dollar Mystery. Five, six, seven, eight. They're all after a fortune, and nothing is going to stand in their way. You're under arrest! Millions hidden somewhere nearby. Okay, nobody move. And these wild and crazy people will do almost anything to find it. Fred. Fred. <laughs> the money is secure. The most rewarding movie ever made. Million Dollar Mystery. So there's still three million left. It's gotta be somewhere. How many lottery tickets I would buy? You'll find high-speed chases, wild excitement, mysterious clues, that way, adventure that falls from the sky. It's more than a movie. Million Dollar Mysteries. Um, and some other films that were released around this time were The Untouchables, Spaceballs, Full Metal Jacket, and The Brave Little Toaster. That's a bit stronger than the release day of Predator, that's for sure. Yeah. No, that was the release day of Predator. Those, all those movies came yeah, out? Th- well, those, those weren't all on the same day. Those were in the yeah, same Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Week. Those like, yeah. following yeah. weeks were a bit yeah. stronger. Um, all right. So Predator is one of my favorite movies. It's one of the movies that I have... Um, 
over here on my little uh, shelf of of my favorite Old reliables. Yeah, the movies I watch all the time. There. I have my steelbook copy over here with oh, Arnold and and Pretty Pretty on the front. Pretty. And I love this image in the back. I'll post it in the group. Um, it's of the scorpion that that uh, Bill Duke stabs off a of Carl Weathers' oh, shoulder right, right. in a, a great he's scene. Stab him. Yes. Um, so yeah, this movie is about commandos uh, going into the jungle to uh, save. Another group of commandos who were sent into the jungle, which is also now be, it's become like such a um, this game this movie has influenced so many video games. I feel like it if there's a lot of video games that have this sort of like intro to it where it's like you got to go in to save the other guys. Oh wait, they're already dead and now you're stuck here. Right. I feel like Gears of War did that. Halo has done that. I feel like you know. Mm-hmm. It's just an, a trope they use a lot, um, and it all feels like it started here. This movie obviously also really inspired games like Contra and shit right. like that with muscle men shooting guns in the jungle and shit. Um, and actually, it has another cool little backstory thing. Jean-Claude Van Damme was originally cast to play the Predator. That bastard bison! I know you like to look at yourself on television, you sick son of a bitch. So look at this. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah, and he actually came down in the jungle, um, because they wanted it. They wanted to make the predator like an agile, uh, like ninja type hunter, and uh, but he was only he's five nine, and he looked like a little tiny child next to Arnold. So they decided, <laughs> and I guess he's talked a lot of shit about it. I, I remember reading that, so I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was all like he didn't have a good time down there and thought it was stupid, and then. He, uh, they wanted to put him in a suit, and when he found that out, he was out. He was like, you're going to cover my face, then I don't want to do it. Oh, that's... Um, but the original Predator suit was, like, terrible, I guess. Uh, there's there's pictures of it, and it, it looks really bad. I think there's also video of it. And it was a situation where they, like, sent it down in the jungle, they opened it up, and they were like, this is this is not, not good. Work, yeah. And so they shot some stuff and sent it to the studio being like, "Are you? do you want us to keep going or, or not? And the studio was like, stop. Yeah, we're, we got to get a better suit. <laughs> no deal. And so they called in, thanks to Arnold, they called in Stan Winston, yep. who is the guy who basically created the Terminator. And uh, because he had worked on it with him on Terminator, he's like, hey, call Stan Winston. He came in and he created, yeah, I hear that. Your phones are ringing. Sheesh. Um he created the the iconic Predator suit and face and mask. And actually, James Cameron is, poss- according to Stan Winston, the reason why the Predator has his mandibles on his mouth. Oh, Because okay. James Cameron just said when they were, like, on a plane or something, he was like, oh, you know what I'd like to see is mandibles. And freaking Stan <laughs> Winston was like, okay. And, <laughs> yeah, started to draw it. Uh, yeah. A lot of weird little things. We'll get to them, but about the costume. Yeah. The, cur- the one yeah, in the exactly. movie that I think are very weird. And uh, one more little background for our, our wrestler of the movie, because I will say also Arnold Schwarzenegger is very heavily involved with wrestlers and wrestling coming from the bodybuilding world. He knows a lot of them. And he was already friends with a lot of them. And uh, I know he has some sort of like friendship with WWE and with Vince. In fact, he they he was in he like he had his likeness in a couple of the WWE video games at different times and stuff like that. And it was actually Schwarzenegger who recommended Jesse Ventura. Um and he just because he thought he was big, he had a deep voice and was manly. And so that Jesse got in because of him. Uh but yeah, so 
Dylan, what are your thoughts on Predator? So I hadn't watched, watched it. it in years, so mm-hmm. it was nice to kind of go into it almost with fresh eyes. Um, there's a lot of wicked, wicked classic scenes that you see all the time. It's oh, yeah. sort of like military movies. Or There's a lot of stuff that reminded me, specifically the helicopter scene, reminded me a lot of like Apocalypse Now. Yeah, kind of yeah, happening. yeah, yeah. Sort of like Vietnam. The, the long, yeah, the long, tall Sally part. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Playing like some sort of 70s right no, that's what it is there's long tall sally yeah no I, uh, no but i mean yeah other little ri- movies, you know, other movies correct yeah me. it's like a credence song like 90 yeah. percent of the time, yeah yeah you know? there's so much stuff in it that i hadn't realized was in so many other movies until i years totally. passed and i start watching totally. other movies i didn't realize how big of an impact a movie like predator had on action movies oh yeah guerrilla warfare movies yeah and it comes out at that this like time in action movies that is like really the golden age i feel like and it's one of the earlier films from that age because um even though like terminator had already come out i don't think it was really until terminator 2 that arnold became the superstar that he was and this was like another step this was another him getting bigger as a star i mean he already was not to say he already wasn't a huge star obviously you know I watch you. I watch you too. But but I definitely feel like Terminator 2 was when he became like the gigantic actor that he would be known for for the rest of his career. Yeah. So this is kind of like an earlier look at the at at the actor, and this is also I think his personally his best role. Okay. I think he does he does a great job. Terminator would be my other vote for that. Yeah. Because specifically in the first Terminator movie, because he's so frightening and does a, such a great job playing that robotic character but in this movie he's just having fun he's like and i think there was a lot i know i've heard there's a lot of drugs and drinking that went on especially drinking on the set of this movie and probably some cocaine too arnold like wasn't always as much of the he was a gym rat but he wasn't always like t- didn't always take care of himself from what i've heard yep. again i'm not saying this to like throw mud on him <laughs> Uh, he's one of my favorite actors. I love him. And uh, obviously, most wrestlers at that time were also pretty heavily into the cocaine. Yeah. If you ever watch definitely. a Macho Man or Hulk Hogan promo from the late oh 80s, God. early 90s. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, I remember way back when, when the mega powers were bonded. Yeah. You made a lot of promises to the Macho Man, didn't you? Promises that you didn't keep. I remember one specific one, yeah. You promised that Elizabeth would never be in a dangerous position. You broke that promise, didn't you, Hulk Hogan? And who had to come in and make that critical save? The Macho Man, Randy Savage, covering Burl Hogan again. So, like, uh, the, the, I know it, did you watch it? I showed you the making of Predator thing. No, I didn't get to watch it. Okay, it's fantastic, and you can kind of tell from it that they had kind of a mixed bag of, like, a lot of fun, and it also was, like, a really grueling experience shooting this movie in this jungle. Uh, but I think that, like, with the guys involved and the fact that part of it was this, like, competition for everybody to be, like, the biggest, buffest guy and the strongest, manliest guy on set... And when one of the guys on set is Arnold Schwarzenegger and the other one's a wrestler whose whole gimmick was about being called the body and being like a big strong, like that is definitely going to, you know, it's something that, that 
uh, a lot of them talked about, especially Carl Weathers. And Carl Weathers, in that he mentions the story where he'd be like, you'd go down to the gym and like you'd hope nobody else was there so you could like get a huge pump in. Right. So when you walk on set, you look all, but you don't want anybody to know that you go in and you work. How much <laughs> yeah, exactly. You in you so he's like, guy. yeah, you go down, you see this couple guys in there, you walk in, you look around, like, what are you doing in here? Then you leave. <laughs> <laughs> Go get like a cup of coffee, come back when there's nobody there, and you turn from an iron. Hey, we're gonna go to the gym and work out. There was a subtle sort of competition, I think. Get up at four in the morning because you want that pump, but you don't want the other guys to see you getting that pump because when you walk onto the set, you know, and you look that good, it's gotta be natural. You can't work out that hard. You know, nobody does. Uh, God just blessed you, you know. Going down to work out. And they would run for an hour and a half just run the hills of Port of the greatest feeling you can get in a gym or the most satisfying feeling you can get in the gym is the pump so yeah there's like a weird camaraderie that between the cast that i think really um is shown in their acting and their their camaraderie in the film uh, right I, I think a lot of them they had a, they had a fun time they're also trying to act like they're having more fun because they all wanted to be the guy who didn't care that they were in the jungle because they're the toughest, you right, know? Right, right, right. And it, with a movie like this, it totally works. Oh, totally. I mean, they're all the typical, like, big, bulky G.I. Joe, like, oh, sort yeah. of, like, meatheads. Oh, yeah. Know? And they all jive really well off each other. Another thing that I think was highly, highly influenced by by this movie is the 90s run of G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and honestly, this movie goes even further because the whole shared universe... Of or monster verse or alien verse, whatever you want to call it, of like Predator. It also contains obviously the xenomorphs and the from Alien and Alien movies, and therefore also Prometheus and characters from that. Yep. Um, and also though, there's another film series that is tied up in this, and I always forget what it is, but it's something like a little bit silly. Um, but anyway, so so like one of the things I love about this movie is that it literally doesn't ever never really gives you plot in like a cohesive way you kind of have to figure it out as you go along and one of the main things that gives you no information on other than showing you is the predator itself oh yeah and so you just have to figure everything out on your own right right like why the predator's there what it's doing and i it's funny because later on in the alien versus predator movies and in uh the the third predator movie which i think is called predators the one with like adrian brody yeah and, yeah uh, Lawrence the newest one's the predator right that's, that was like the 2010 one right yeah it was, yeah, it was around yeah, there yeah. yeah in that movie they they added way more backstory on the yujida which is the predator's race and the fact that there's several different types there's super predators and stuff like that but one of the things added to that was this idea of the blooding ritual which is when a predator goes out or a Ujida, I guess you call him that's the name, but it goes out and <laughs> finds a worthy yeah. prey in the universe. Usually it's a xenomorph. Right, right, right. And they'll kill that and bring back its bones, and they'll also take the creature's blood and put it on their, their head or their helmet. Um, obviously with a xenomorph, that means they actually get scarred by the acid blood. Right. And that means that you're, like, you're okay. a man, basically, yep. in the Predator society. So in this movie... That is what is going on. This creature has come here and it is trying to find the most capable human to hunt. And there's a couple little scenes that, like, to me, show that. Not only the obvious 
him hunting them all down and like displaying their corpses. But there's one particular scene where he, the scene where he rips out, I believe it's Billy's spine in the tree. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then cleans the skull, and then is holding it and like petting the skull. So weird. Because he's gonna bring that back. That's like his prize. Right. So yeah. like I was watching the movie and I was like, you know, I've never really thought about that. Like what the predator is actually doing, and also mixing that with the 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 um the double agent that they capture. I always forget her name. Oh yeah, yeah. I forget um, her name too. But when she's telling them like the story about how this the creature that always comes in in the summer when it's really hot and stuff like that, there's obviously like a, a lineage of predators coming here to hunt people. Right, right. And uh, that I guess has all been fleshed out in later predator movies. But again, the only one I've ever seen other than this is Predator Two, which which is like an okay movie. Right. It's, it's not terrible, but it's not nearly as good as this. Yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. And back to what you said about you not really knowing anything mm-hmm. about the plot or the predator itself. Mm-hmm. I love movies that do that where as the characters are learning about the, say the camouflage or coming out of the camouflage or the like laser beam bullet things, whatever. That yeah. Is, it's is, like a, well, that's like a rocket thing on his shoulder. And then, yeah, the beam is like his, targeting yeah 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 system. but like you're learning about them as mm-hmm. the characters are learning about them so something new will happen with the predator and you're like oh shit it can do that too yep. and arnold's like oh it can do yeah. that too. <laughs> no deal <laughs> or like when no deal. yeah like the scene where they uh they put up all the trip wires around their like camp and then the predator fucking attacks them and then grabs the dude's body that's a dead body yep. trip doesn't trip anything but that also okay so that had one of them that the, the one of my d- digs at the movie is the fact that it took them that long to figure out the predator was using the trees. Like these guys are supposed to be as my favorite line in the movie, as Dylan says, cause some damn fool accused you of being the best. That's a great line. Apparently they're not the best enough to look up in the fucking trees and, and realize they, that's that one of the first things they see is like the three bodies hanging in yep. the tree. And get in the island. Billy, when he senses something up in the trees ahead, but doesn't know they what it is it like six times. Yeah. And, it and it's like, insane. you're like super, because again okay movie trope of here's another like insensitive stereotype movie trope of native americans having super senses billy is your native american with super senses character for this movie which i think i really think this movie is the one that like made that like a trope for so many movies later i'm I'm sure it's happened like it really comes from probably westerns and shit like that but so yeah, he like senses the predator up in the trees, but later on they don't. Th- it's like they're not thinking. Well, obviously this thing's up in the trees. Like yeah. that's how it got around all the trip wires. Yeah, I think that just the bodies being hanging in the tree, and they don't think about that yeah. ever. Yeah, but that's that's like one of like very few digs. I mean, there are some problems. Um, this movie has a visible boom mic. It's in. It has a visible boom mic in the scene when Dutch and Dylan are hiding from the predator in like a trench. If it like pops down for one um, second, there's classic, enough the other. Bob. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not terrible, terrible. Like I've never seen it. I read about it and looked it up and was like, okay, yeah, I see it in the scene. Um, but another one that that's just more of like a no one knew thing. It, though I guess Jesse the body probably should have known this since he really was in the Navy SEALs and was in Vietnam. In several scenes, there's Max like shaving himself. That's a really, really bad idea to do in the jungle because uh, you're going to get an infection. Right, you just have <laughs> like, open, and he literally cuts his face. Yeah. His it's like that is a really, really bad I didn't even think idea. about the infection part, but I did think it was weird how they just kept having him shaving 
Right, right. It seemed like it was like his nervous tick when he'd be stressed out. He would just pull out a little exactly. disposable razor. Exactly. Um, there's also a part where, so the terrorist camp attack, which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I think it's one of the best series of shots. The yeah. action in it is fantastic. You see this guy, he's got a red bandana and a mustache, uh, red bandana around his neck. And he also has like a hat on. You see him shooting and then he gets killed by Blaine and old painless. And then you see him like two seconds later getting shot again. Like, oh, really? but like he's still, it's like, it's like a bad, like, you know, they didn't like notice that they had put the same guy getting right, shot twice right, right. or whatever. You know, they used two cuts or thought no one would notice. And one more goof. Uh, so when Dutch is being chased by the predator, there's a part where he goes to look for his knife and it's missing. And then later on, he has his knife when he's constructing all of the traps and stuff oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to fight the predator. So I guess, I don't know, I guess he found it. Um, but really, that I mean, that's not not too many goofs, and they're they're pretty they're pretty mild goofs yeah. uh, that I think they're those ones that you'll forget about when you're actually watching the movie because I didn't ever notice any of them. I just read about them online. Um, so I like one of the things I really like about this movie is how if you try to put yourself in a situation of watching the movie for the first time ever in 1987, right. Because all of the the posters I could find for it are that classic like VHS cover of just Arnold yeah. with like the sort of affected you know like um uh, like infrared looking thing to it yeah or just Arnold uh, there's very few early covers or posters when the movie came out that actually showed the Predator in any way and the actual Predator doesn't uh, you don't see him until after that that camp attack scene i'm pretty sure when he's like his when they they um are all fire it's after i think jesse dies they're all yeah. firing and he his camo like freaks out for a second i think you kind of see him before that in one scene but it's like it's like away from everyone else and so you don't really see his mask or anything you just see the predator's like body yeah, yeah they but... keep the character like really hidden throughout the movie and i guess when they were shooting the movie they did the same thing with the cast most of the cast didn't actually see the predator until they saw the film oh really yeah which wow. makes that i that feeling of like i don't know what i'm looking at heightened because that's literally what they, they can't right. see it so and i think i love the little camera turns to the predator's perspective mm -hmm. where it'll randomly put you in that infrared yeah thing. and it, it granted it looks extremely cheesy at a lot but of parts they actually the, the way they too. did that was pretty cool they used a uh like a some sort of screen splitter thing so they could shoot with two cameras through one lens basically is the way it works so you get the same shot from for two different types of cameras okay one infrared, one film, and they overlaid the two over each other. Oh, that's actually so. Really that's yeah. That's why it has that look where you can. It's like you can see more of the leaves and stuff, and it makes it look look more jumbled. Yeah, and like it really brings out the 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 parts, the areas that ha have heat the, where the characters are. You know, right, right. Um, but I like how you don't know that. That's your first sign of like, okay, this is how he's tracking them right so you're right that's like your first learning experience with predator exactly you what, you but yeah you still don't at. know and i mean even because even at the end where the predator takes off excuse me takes off his mask and you see the predator's sight then and it's like infrared sight and it's like oh okay so the predator is hunting has to hunt using this sort of stuff because of the climate it's because yep. one of the things i will say about this the predator is a cheap motherfucker oh yeah the predator is so cheap and but it makes sense because he's trying to slowly kill them one by one to find out which one's the strongest. Yeah, because that's the one he actually wants. Yeah, to Yeah, has to take that one. Right, and but like guys like Billy, 
because they were a worthy adversary in the sense that like Billy like sacrificed himself and stood up and was like, I'm going to let you come kill me, try to kill me. That was like more worthy prey than like Hawkins who tries yeah. to run away. You know what exactly, I mean? Exactly. So like that guy, Hawkins gets fucking like eviscerated oh, and yeah, destroyed. Yeah. So like he wants to take, he takes very like Billy, he takes an actual prize from the other ones. He just, skins them right like they're not the worthy ones this is all an end means to an end yeah which exactly. is to be blooded and I, I like i like that idea too because in the end the predator is essentially being like hey f- rip off my mask let's fight hand-to-hand combat yeah, dude back to the mascot like that mask off scene first of all it's hilarious that you're watching it you're like oh my god they're just gonna square up right now yep. after all yep. this crazy stuff they're just gonna fist fight exactly this actually end up happening really but um the fir- I remember the first time I watched it, when he goes to take off his mask, he's sitting there kind of like getting himself situated and takes off the mask. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is this just going to be a human underneath yeah. this? Like, yeah. I was like, wow, I'm, I genuinely thought this was like a monster. Now right, it's just right. going to be a guy underneath it's the dude. this thing. Yeah, exactly. It's that girl that they were <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. Time. It was me the whole time. <laughs> I liked, uh, I do love the thing too where um, there's, okay, so later on tonight we're going to talk about over-the-top moments in all these films. This movie... I mean, maybe, okay, They Live has a bunch that might tie it. They Live might tie it or actually beat it. But this movie has a couple of over-the-top moments that are just fantastic. Oh, yeah. And one of them is when she picks up the gun after Arnold's like, no, it's because you didn't have a weapon. Like, don't pick up a weapon and he won't come after you. She picks up the gun. Arnold's like, no! And kicks it out of her head and then turns and does an, this just amazing shot that has been stolen by so many action movies of like the barrel of the gun, yeah, the like at an angle firing, as yeah. he's firing. And that shot is so badass. I yeah, love that it. That was one of my favorite over the top scenes yep. in this too. Just like the, the one swift motion of kicking the gun out, pivoting and just yeah. going nuts. Well, I'm like, dude, John McTiernan knows how to shoot action. I think maybe this... If you're going to just talk about like the best action movies ever made, this and Die Hard are up there. Yep. It's because he knew what he was doing and he shot action intimately, but just far enough away that you can see like everything that happens. Right. You know, and like I, I personally, I'm a bigger fan of Die Hard, but like the scenes in this movie with action are so well done in, in their, it's even cooler to me because they're in an area that's really hard to shoot that stuff. There, they it was one of the things they said in the behind the scenes was like literally nowhere was flat ground where they were shooting. It was all on hillsides. That's crazy. Yeah, so like everything had to be set up. Cameras had to be set up differently because of that. And you never could like you always were like leaning against something or like holding your weight up. Like there's, it's a it it created a f- perfect storm or whatever in the movie where like you could only get that movie out of that location. Right. And that's the thing like Werner Herzog, one of my favorite directors, did a lot. Tons. Almost every... Yep. Actually, the first episode of this show, we covered Aguerre, The Wrath of God, which is one of his first movies where he did that. Mm -hmm. And the jungle in this movie is just as much a character as every other character in the movie. Yeah, it really is. And so, I, I mean, I really love it. We'll obviously talk a little bit more at the end about, you know, the things we specifically really love. But yeah, it's going to be hard for me not to pick this movie because I love this movie and I've seen it millions of times. Yeah. It's... Um. So that's really all I have to talk about right now on Predator. Do you have anything else you want? Yeah, I, everything else I'll probably address when we get right. to the big awesome. showdown. So we're going to um, take a quick break and head straight into They Live. 
You ain't the first son of a bitch to wake up out of their dream. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. That's like pouring perfume on a pig. Where'd you get those glasses? Tooth fairy. So you bastards die just like we do. <laughs> Woo! It's like a drug. One of these glasses makes you high, but oh, you come down hard. Look, we're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew it. You can only see them with these special glasses. Try these off. Look, you crazy mother. Put these on. Hey! Stay away from me! I'm telling you, you dumb son of a bitch! Trying to save you and your family's life. You couldn't even save your own! I'm giving you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. Not this year. Okay. All right, so They Live is a 1988 movie. Uh, it came out on November 4th, 1988, released the same day as U2's Rattle and Hum. Uh-huh. Um, and that was really the only one of uh, on that day that came out that I'd ever heard of. But around that time uh, was also released Child's Play, Scrooged, and Ernest Saves Christmas. Uh, obviously the holiday season there. It was also the day that Cowboys, I don't know if he still plays for the Cowboys, Des Bryant was born yeah, on this day as well. Uh, nothing else really of value happened on that day. That was the <laughs> most, the coolest thing. So the last movie got a, a major announcement, famous moment from a president. This one got a wide receiver's the birthday cool, the coolest thing that happened that day yeah. was they lived came out <laughs> exactly that's tr- true yeah that was the coolest <laughs> thing i found um it's directed by my personal favorite director of all time john carpenter based on the short story eight o'clock in the morning by ray nelson and it stars the rowdy one rowdy roddy piper keith david meg foster raymond st jocks and george buck flower this movie was made for $3 million, and even though it is considered a critical failure, it made $13 million. So to me, that would be successful. Yeah, I'd say $10 million up is yeah. a success. John Carpenter certainly thinks so. Yeah. <laughs> it's certified fresh 85% More by critics. Yeah, but only 79 from the audience, because there's prob- probably people who are conservatives in there. Because this movie, I think, is a classic of, of left-wing cinema. I can't think of a whole lot of other movies I've ever thought of or scene that have a homeless man fighting against the oppression of basically white people as like the core of the story. Yeah, none none come to mind. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some out there. Like, I guess no, because Chud is about fighting mutant homeless men, so that really doesn't count. Right. And um, I gotta admit, because I mentioned Chud, aside here, have you seen Us yet? Yes. Okay. Did you notice the the Chud VHS? Oh, is it when they were sitting watching it's the... It's the uh, very beginning of the movie. Oh, my God, no, yep. I didn't. When I the was, camera... I to look at it and see what movies were there. When the camera... Yeah, when the camera's, like, zooming in on the TV slowly. Yeah, there's, like, the little shelf yep. that's got all yep. the one of the okay. One of the films there was Chud. Hell, yeah. Yeah, one of, my, one of my favorite of, like, shitty, like, 
I don't even know what to call that. It's like it's like a body horror type. Right, movie. right. Uh, side note: If you haven't seen Us yet, you should probably go see it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty a very damn good, good movie. It's pretty damn good. Um, I do have some problems with it, but I won't mention yeah, them because that'll be like a giveaway. Worth, but it's worth the see. Yeah, yeah. The taglines. Dylan, why don't you give us a couple of the taglines right, uh, for They Live? The first one we got here is one of the most, probably the most famous quote from this movie, I'd say. Yeah, I would too. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Now, that was actually a line that Roddy Roddy Piper improved. It was something he, way. yeah, it was something he wrote down in a notebook that was full of like stuff he used for promos. And wow. he just was like, what? Well, you just come out and say something. And he, pulled that out and he actually so also funny. he also said it later in wrestling in a promo one oh, time really? yeah no uh so another one we got is obey or else alien invasion of the subliminal kind <laughs> that's pretty dead on of what the movie right? is uh who are they and what do they want that one that one's my a question i like it the last ones always are going to be my favorites because they always seem to keep the long ones for last. This one is by far my are favorite. Are two tagline. separate ones? No, this is one tagline. You've got to be kidding me. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> wow. This is really rolls off the tongue. You see them on the street. You watch them on TV. You might even vote for one this fall. You think they're people just like you? You're wrong. Dead wrong. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's I, great. That one might have been one that was like um on the back of the box up at the top, like, you know, before you get to the synopsis. Yeah, can't imagine sort of that'd thing. be on the poster that yeah. you see in the hallway yeah, exactly. the movie theater. That is a lot, of, but it is <laughs> I love that. Um so that yeah. Really good. As we said, this movie is uh I mean, a, a lot of people who know this movie know it as the movie with a wrestler where he puts on sunglasses and sees that every that aliens have taken over the world, but I really think that that is like a short-sighted way of looking at it. Yes, I agree. It's it's more like what I said before. It's about the fact that it's a homeless man who realizes that all these advertisements and the money and even the people are bullshit, and that it's all bullshit. And yep. one of the little things that I love about it is the fact that the two main characters who go through this struggle with each other before becoming friends are a black man and a white man who are representative of all working class people who are black and all working class people who are white. And the, and basically I feel like it's like John Carpenter's trying to say these two groups need to get together against the people who run everything because they're the ones that are in control and that are forcing us and have us all as slaves, basically. Right, right. And the movie pretends to be about aliens, but really it's actually about people. Yeah, there's when, a pretty deep and lying message. Yeah. And and I think it's it's a it's brilliantly done in that way because I think most people who know what they're looking for, m people who have already put on the glasses, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, like might be a pretentious way to say it, but really, if you're already aware of stuff like that, when you watch this movie, it reinforces yeah, when you're that. woke. Right, right. That one one of my favorites is when he looks at the the money in the cashier's hand, and it's like this is your god. Like it's right, such an yeah, on the nose yeah. thing. But at the same time, it's like he's not actually... This isn't some alien invasion, as much as the movie pretends it is. Right. I think it's more like you're seeing people's true face is what it's really yeah. about. Yeah. And I, for what it's worth, there never really is like a sense of invasion. It's sort of a sense of it's already yeah, there. It's, dude, it's been there. It's, it's an happening. Yeah, it's an occupancy. Yeah. I mean, this has like a huge influence on late 80s, early 90s street artists. This movie is huge. That's like oh, yeah. Shepard Fairey's whole... 
message. Exactly. Obey. Obey yeah. He told. Based on this, all right. Yeah. Side note: that guy stole his whole fucking career, and I'm not a fan of him. And <laughs> I was gonna mention him anyway, so it might, might good enough time. Your first work was the Andre the Giant as a posse, thing. which you stole. Yep. Yeah, he took it from that picture yeah. that was like Andre the Giant. Exactly. You just wow. He's literally like the Andy Warhol of this era, where yeah. it's like you literally did nothing and you, you, and you sold it as art. Soup yeah, <laughs> good for you. Like wow, you took a fucking picture. Wow. Right. Um, I don't know. And I just I always hated that because like I was like the whole obey thing. I'm like this is literally like you, are you sending a check to John Carpenter because you should for every single yeah. This is literally said. something that's already existed. I get it. That's part of like art and shit like that. But like I don't find people who are that's plagiarism to me. Yeah. That's plagiarism. I know that part of that is a part of art. Like obviously Rembrandt stole techniques. But that's yeah, I mean, did it's not it's not the same over yeah. and over. But this is like a specific verbatim quote. Yeah, like there's exactly. A that just exactly. Say, and and that is you're taking that idea obviously from the movie. And yeah. if he would just say he wasn't, I'd say he's a liar. Right. So right. Um, it's not it's not enough by just saying he's influenced by it. Yeah. It's like no, that's like yeah. that created that. I'm also gonna go out on a limb and say that this is by far the best performance by a wrestler in a movie. Oh, I could, for what I've seen, I could agree with yep. that. Roddy Piper got speaking. And I mean, it makes sense since he's out of all the wrestlers who have become uh, movie stars, only The Rock and Cena, in some respect, but really only The Rock comes close to being on the same level of wrestling mic work as Roddy Piper. It's, yeah. He was a great wrestler too, but I think more than anything, he was known for for his, what he was did on the microphone. Yeah, you know? and it's at the point with The Rock where I I almost borderline consider his acting appearances not as a wrestler who's in a movie. You know, it's, yeah, it's, he's surpassed that point. Exactly, exactly. But I also think that he still suffers from like being The Rock. Oh yeah, I mean like, he's gonna be typecast until right. he's a shriveled old. Roddy man. Piper shed that whole persona for this movie. Right. He doesn't ever get Piper in this movie. Not like he all, never yeah. gets like, like freaks yeah. out. You know, Hogan <laughs> couldn't ever like transcend and be a great actor. It never was going to be a thing. Right. I think Roddy actually had the chops and, and he feels like a real actor. And I've seen him in a couple of other things in his career. And I've always liked him. Even another movie that I really wished it would, I put it on the list because someone mentioned it and I really hoped it was going to win. So we'd have two Roddy Piper movies, but it's uh, no hell comes to Frogtown. It's okay. a ridiculously bad movie that he is fantastic in. And that is more him playing Rowdy Roddy Piper. Okay, He's like very unhinged in it. Yeah. It, it's most famous scene is him getting shot at the end of it like a hundred times it's oh just like God. it's like he has like 15 squibs on him and that's just the ending cutting. scene it's the ending oh yeah so it's another this movie a really good ending too, and another another movie where rowdy Roddy piper dies at the end yeah oh jesus i felt like i knew it had to happen spoiler alert yeah whoops if you so had... yeah um basically i would say the way this movie plays out is he's a uh, rowdy piper is a homeless man trying to make it trying to find a job can't find a job Gets some work on a construction site, meets Keith David. Keith David brings him to like this kind of like homeless commune next to a church. And Rowdy finds out that in the church, there's like a resistance movement against someone. And there's also like television, uh, like they're trying to hack into the TV. And yeah, one of my favorite little things in the movie, a subtle little thing. So eventually the cops show up and they bust up not only the church, but also the camp kick everybody out and then after that scene it cuts to the next day and the the next cut of the next day isn't to 
the scene of everything that's happened. It's a close-up of the television. And then the camera slowly backs out. And you realize that they destroyed this whole camp, but they left the TV. Right. Oh. <laughs> because that's part of, like, the, the brainwashing, you right, know? Right, yeah. And I, little, there's a little things like that every once in a while in the movie that are that are great little subliminal ways of further establishing this message. of the Yeah, film. that there's some sort of, yeah. like, higher corruption. Yep. And so, uh, basically, then Roddy uh, kidnaps a woman <laughs> um, who happens to work at a TV studio. Yeah, I mean, he could have at least explained what was happening a little mm. bit better. Rather than just... Right? And uh, that leads them to eventually infiltrating, like, the, the TV studio, where it's kind of, like, the base of operations. So, again, like, the heavy on these themes of, like, media is part of this. Media controls what you think and what you believe. Um, and, uh, m- one of my personal favorite scenes in the movie, they run into George Buckflower, who is a guy who used to be in the camp and now he's got the suit on and he's like, oh, Hey yeah, guys, yeah. like, Hey, you, you joined up too, you know, <laughs> cause he sold out to him. And, uh, eventually that leads them to just, dist- you know, Keith David gets killed. Roddy Piper makes it to the top, blows up the fucking antenna that sends out this signal. So everyone in the world now can see that like these, the yeah, exactly. They see the true face. Really, all he did, he's a revolutionary who he's like Che Guevara or something like right. that. He's the revolutionary who dies, but spreads hit martyrs and spreads his message to the rest of the people. And right. now everybody else knows that all these white people are these faceless monsters and they yeah, must be stopped. Exactly. Like kill one to save right. like millions right. type thing. Um, and so one thing I kind of glossed over in all that is that all of that's really cool, but it's still not the reason why I love this movie and particularly why I picked this movie. Not only did you guys, the listeners, have mentioned this movie several times, and I know this is a big thing. We also promised at the beginning of the show, uh, way back in the day, we were going to do a single episode on this. I still think one day we may do a single episode on it, but that's probably a lie, too, because we're doing it now. <laughs> hey. Um, gotcha. But one of the reasons why I wanted to pick this movie is because of one five-minute scene in particular. I call it the alley beatdown. Uh, spoiler alert, it's my favorite scene in the movie, so later on I'm going to mention it again. But it's amazing. It's a feat of action and fight choreography. And so many times, action movies and horror movies, for some reason, are treated like trash by... Oh, the other movies that are bigger and better that get nominations for the fake Oscars and all this shit. No, dude, action movies uh, in, in, up until it's funny uh, now that I mentioned that up until recently with movies like Black Panther. Right. So that's the thing that I love about it. It's like, great. Action movies should get more credit. Horror movies should get more credit. They're really good. And just because they're they're campy or kitschy doesn't mean that they, they're not as good or even better than some film that's about fucking Queen Elizabeth or some bullshit. You right, know? exactly. Um, so this fight scene, man, is a feat that, to me, it should have won an award. I've I don't never know. seen anything like it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It was rehearsed and choreographed in the backyard of uh, John Carpenter's production office. Um, it was only supposed to last 20 seconds originally, but Piper and David, Keith David, decided to fight it out for real, and they only faked hits to the face and the groin. 
They were actually punching each other, except for when they hit each other in the face. Right. That's insanity. Yep. Um, and there's they, some pretty hard drops, too. Yeah. Yeah. They were rehearsed for three weeks, uh, and Carpenter was so impressed, he kept the whole scene intact. And it, it fully runs five minutes, 20 seconds. So it went five minutes over what he initially thought. That is crazy. Yep. And it, it was so good that he's That's like, amazing. yep. Yep. We're keeping the whole and thing. I, I saw some of the behind the scenes, like they choreographed out all the moves. Like it showed them working with a mat to do the backdrop and a ladder. So like he climbed up onto the ladder so he could get into position. But then when they actually shot it, he legitimately backdropped them onto con concrete, right. basically. I mean, there was still a ladder there. There was still like crew all around them that you don't see obviously in the shot. But I mean, he took a fucking backdrop on concrete, yeah, man. Serious, serious yeah. credit. And I think Keith David really just, him and Roddy just, bonded and he really wanted to get to Roddy's level and I think that one of the things that that Piper did that pretty much no other maybe not in the way same way any other wrestler did is he wanted to bring what he had to the movie I feel like The Rock does that in some ways with the fact that what he brings to the movie is his charisma Hulk Hogan what he brings to the movie is the fact that he was gigantic and right. he was Hulk Hogan Roddy wanted to bring the fact that he was a true wrestler and he had knowledge of this stuff. And so like a movie with a wrestler, sh everyone should have a five minute fight scene, right? Yeah. You know, like, uh, for instance, in one of the, one of my favorite moments in the fast and furious series, which I'm like, I, I love dumb movies as I've seen a million times. So yeah. I love fast and furious is the rock versus Jason Statham. That fucking fight scene where the rock literally rock bottoms him through a glass table. Like it's, that's what you we want. have to include that. Yeah. That's why you have these guys in right. the movies. They're fucking wrestlers. Let them get hurt. You know, let them right, go do exactly. moves. So I really think that like Piper just in, 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 in a lot of ways, Piper is the guy who paved the way for wrestling superstars to become actors. If you go back and watch, uh, I think it's WrestleMania one or two. The commentary team, they're constantly commenting on the fact that Roddy is famous now because he's been in a movie, you know, like, and that was before Hogan started doing movies. Like, yep. So he really, really started it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we have the bubblegum line here thing. Uh, and uh, as I said, it was a wrote it down in a notebook of potential verbal bits to use during his wrestling career. And he shared it with Carpenter and Carpenter just got to look through it. And I think they took a couple of lines from it because I swear to God, life's a bitch and she's back in heat is gotta yeah, be another one. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of goofs. They're not too bad though. Uh, for instance, one, this is one I knew. I actually noticed this, this time that I watched it. The, uh, when he goes to the newsstand, the alien that gets his change, gets his change twice. He oh, gives okay. him his change and then he cuts and there's more of him looking through the glasses and taking him off. And then the guy gives him his change again. <laughs> it's That's great. so weird. Guess he bought a second magazine after. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, screened. Yep. There's also a thing when, uh, I love it because you don't notice it cause it's kind of a gag, but when they, they, after the fight, they have blood all over their faces and then you see them again, they have no blood on their faces and then they go into the rooming house and they have blood on their faces. I feel like something like that is the most common, one of the most, most common the time, goofs. Yeah. It's like that or a broken window, a broken mirror kind yeah. of things. If you want to get really into it in Predator, you can really look for there's makeup continuity. They did a really good job with it because like every character had different wounds and makeup and it all had, and they're shooting different, you know, guys in every location and stuff but stuff like that just tends to happen in yeah, movies it becomes so hard a lot, a lot of times it's editors that don't notice it because right. they're just they're editing scenes together you don't see it or you think or again like we mentioned earlier you think no one will see it so you're just like whatever slide that by um and yeah so this is another quote i found kind of just uh 
Again, reinforcing what I said, it's a movie about homeless people fighting the oppression of the upper class. The idea of them seeing these people in control as aliens can be taken literally or figuratively. Um, and that's what I think makes this movie so brilliant, even though I think it doesn't. It's one of those films that doesn't get the credit it deserves. But almost across the board, everyone I know who has seen it loves it. Right. It's one of those few movies that I haven't ever heard someone be like, oh, I didn't like that movie. Like They may have gripes about it, but in general, the basic idea of the movie they're like that's great and i think sometimes that's because people are like oh well it's got a wrestler in it and it's really good so you know but i think if you can look you can look way past that because roddy is not just a wrestler in this movie he is an actor he acts his ass off he does a great fucking job yeah and as far as the literally or figuratively thing in that quote you just read I think that's makes it a bit more digestible for every type of viewer. Right. Because you can have the person who just wants to sort of watch this actiony movie with Roddy Piper going crazy and saving the day at the right. end. Or you can look at it as the figurative meaning of it and put a deep like socio political message totally, behind totally. it. And I think also the the vagueness of the socio political message, it's and again, like I mentioned earlier, the whole thing of having Keith David and Roddy Piper as these like struggling uh, uh, archetypes of of humans um, makes it a film that can be appreciated by either side of the political spectrum, especially when it just comes to people who the have-nots in right. any situation. Yeah, you might be a fucking Trumper, but you could still watch this movie and not understand that it's a left-wing bias that you're watching because I think the basic idea is just that, that everyone can agree on is fuck the government. The government screwed us. Yeah, that... And, and that, or the, the, the they... You know, yeah, people exactly. say they, the, the thing that controls us, you know, whatever, whatever. it's a media right. conglomerate or something right, like right. that. The money. powers that be like yeah. and that. So I think it can appeal to people, even though I see it as a left wing movie. I think there's definitely there's libertarians who would see it as a libertarian movie, mm-hmm. you know, and that's one of the tricks it pulls is it kind of goes, nah, none of that stuff is really what the politics are. The politics are like there is an evil thing controlling us all and we need to put aside our differences and get together. That's the only way we're ever going to be free. And so like, he's the, again, the revolutionary hero who confronts that defeats the evil and dies for it. Right. I also find it very interesting that like the love interest is the person who betrays him and kills him in the end. Yep. And she's very, she's not really important to the rest of it. The true love interest quote unquote is actually Keith David because it's really more about them coming together than it is about him finding a girlfriend, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no strong love interest yep. so much in it other than they just, I feel like they threw her in just because it's an 80s movie and yeah. they all yeah. have one little love interest. Well, I no think what. most films have to have that. That's like, um, you know, not every film will have it and every film will deal with it differently, but I think that the romantic side of a story is important. And it's like what we talked about with Son of Godzilla. Right. How they just kind of threw her in there to have it exactly because i think you need as much stuff that people can relate to in a film that's just another storyline people can relate to yeah i think a lot of movies too they can use that because like what people will do when they're watching television or film is they put themselves in the place of characters totally so like they'll also put their friends and loved ones in the place of other characters which is why a lot of times 
deaths of a character is so hard. It's not just because you've spent so much time watching the character and you want him to live. It's because you've literally been like, that reminds me of this person. It's like that person died in a little way. Yeah, where, so, where would you be if you were in right. that character's shoes? So I definitely think that um, that can be used effectively. But th- in this movie, I think that the the main the main goal is really to like uh, incite um, a, a thought revolution about like eight, specifically late eighties culture because you also have to remember the time this film is coming out is like the height of like the Wall Street excess and like Donald Trump and like you know American Psycho type car- yeah. guys would be running around so like it's in that time frame where wealth was really really important in popular culture and i think that this is like the part of the reason why i didn't do well could have something to do with that because people looked at movies like this as being preachy or something and they just were like well whatever we're just and now looking back at it after everything that that time frame of of excess and and good time yeah all the banks fucking everybody over and the collapse (laughs) And the 2000s and the recessions that we're still dealing with today, like this film is more, I think it's it's more uh, important today than it was when it came out. Right. Because watching it now, I have a totally different feeling of like, this is like how life actually is today still. We haven't actually gotten much further. Yeah, this being my first watch through of this movie, it, I totally could feel that the whole yep. time. It was so cool. And so also speaking of, we already mentioned Ronald Reagan in this pod, podcast today. Um, fuck Ronald Reagan. But also uh, there is another uh, reference to him in this movie. Um, the scene where he sees the guy on TV, the morning in America. Oh, it yeah. is literally from a Ronald Reagan speech. Uh, I think it was from his inauguration speech. First is. or second. Yeah, he says it's a new morning in America. It's morning again in America. Today, more men and women will go to work than ever before in our country's history. With interest rates at about half the record highs of 1980, nearly 2,000 families today will buy new homes. It's morning again in America. And under the leadership of President Reagan, our country is prouder and stronger and better. Not, I don't know if it's the whole quote, I can't remember, but like the, the speech is written to, if you were to hear it at the time, that's the first thing you would have thought. Right. That's particularly the line, it's a new morning in America. That is literally something Ronald Reagan said, I'm Jesus. pretty sure. Um, if not, at le- I know for a fact, new morning. That so was that like makes this sense idea. That's like intentionally put in there. Yeah. They did. They, I think it was also based on a series of commercials that he had, campaign ads that oh, he okay. had when he was running. Yep. New morning in America was like his make America great again. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So, yeah, that's like a direct shot. And then Roddy being like, oh, it figures it would be this. It's like they're kind of dancing around the fact that, like, that's supposed to be Reagan. Yeah. You know, without saying it. So I <laughs> yeah, love they that. they don't want to put that total foot plant down. Yeah, yeah. You know, they don't want the Secret Service showing up at John Carpenter's <laughs> house and asking him a bunch of questions. <laughs> like, so, you know, just but everybody knows. Yeah. They're just not going to be like, it's Ronald Reagan. <laughs> but it was. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... uh. That's basically everything I have to say about that right now. Yeah. So we will uh, take one more quick, well, another quick break, and we will move on to 12 rounds. They give you two things when you're a cop, a gun and a badge. Can't find my badge. It's on the thingy. Be safe, okay? Possible target heading northeast. All teams, we have a positive ID. That's affirmative. Male suspect. 
Okay, keep going. Freeze! Hands in the air now! Run! What's your name? I remember you. Is this Officer Fisher, the New Orleans Police Department? Yeah. How you been? Why the hell are you calling me? It's our anniversary. One year ago, you took what can never, ever be replaced. It was an accident. For that, I am going to take from you. Molly! Get out of I send that people, I send that video to people like that Donkey Kong 64. <laughs> okay, <laughs> very hard. <laughs> yeah, I love Donkey Kong. Dude, Donkey Kong, honestly, the original Donkey Kong might be like my favorite game of all time. So good. And we were talking about that earlier, the whole video game thing, like uh, difficulty thing. That's what, the thing I was going to bring up. Like, Donkey Kong has no difficulty and it's harder than every Dark Souls game. I don't care what to say. I will, honestly, <laughs> listeners, because I'm already recording here, listeners. If you can beat my high score of 126,300 something, we'll just say 300, I will give you $100. Well, not Whoa, really. I'll give you 10 bucks at least, though. Yeah. I'm not kidding, though. That is getting through the fifth elevator. If you can get through the fifth elevator stage, I will give you, like, Money. I'll give you money. I'll legitimately. If you can show me a picture of you getting or a video of you getting through, I'd say it's got to be a video. Fifth. Yep. Fifth elevator stage, which is the one where the fucking springs start to change up. <laughs> now you Donkey Kong people know what I'm talking about. I will literally give you money because I cannot do it. I have never been able to beat that thing, and I can. I've been playing Donkey Kong since I got it for NES or for for Game Boy Advance, the NES fucking game. I've been playing it like nonstop. I consider myself to be pretty good at the NES version. <laughs> I can't get past that stage. I never have been able to. I've never beaten it in my life. But that's what I'm talking about. That game's really hard. opportunity to yeah. win uh, potentially $10, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly, 10 bucks. Probably like a dollar. I'll probably give you a dollar in the end. But <laughs> I'll chip it, I'll match that. 12 Rounds came out in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> It uh, it came out. What was it? You looked at. Oh yes, it was released the same day as Monsters vs. Aliens, which was very successful. Yeah. And The Haunting in Connecticut. Um, it was also came out a few weeks before Fast and Furious, and the most successful movie of this surrounding area. I don't know if it was the same month or it was the next month, but regardless, the most like out of all these movies in this area that I found, the most successful one was the Hannah Montana movie. Which made way more money than you would expect it would. Yeah, we, um, we held the number from you. Yeah, I didn't it. even put it down because I was ashamed of <laughs> America. It was directed by Rennie Harlan, which is really close to my name. He also directed uh, Deep Blue Sea, Die Hard 2, and Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which honestly, I actually like Nightmare on Elm Street 4. So, yeah, I yeah, do. Um, and it is based on the movie Die Hard with a Vengeance. According to Kevin. Yeah, according to me, because it is. It's <laughs> Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, it stars John, Dr. Thugonomics, Cena. Love that guy. Uh, Aiden Gillian, a.k.a. Peter Baelish, or Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Steve Harris, Ashley Scott, and Brian J. White. 
It was made for a budget of $20 million and only had a box office of $17.28 million, which I was like, holy shit, but I wrote that before I found out that it was made for $20 million because then I was like, oh, well, that sucks. Right, yeah. You, it's you got to see it happen. Yeah, yeah. It's got a 30% uh, rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes, but a 45% audience score, and I actually think that uh, I would say it's closer, way closer to that. It's a not an amazing... A feat of filmmaking however it is not 30 percent it's better than that right uh the tagline thing is pretty funny about this yeah one. we uh we only have one tagline this week dylan why don't you uh, uh give the me tagline that. is from the director of die hard 2 and the producer of speed wow it really feels like both of those two <laughs> movies though doesn't it, it really yeah it does that yeah. is the so i feel like that alone sets a precedent for what the movie that you're about to watch is that it doesn't have a tagline other than right. telling you that it was made by a guy who made movies that you probably like, hopefully like they could even like like uh they couldn't even they couldn't even come up with one that was like a boxing theme to like the whole 12 rounds thing like how about like you know he's going for the knockout like and yeah. come on these things Will write John themselves go the distance yeah john cena his wife is captured like just anything <laughs> yeah, i literally could have said anything. words um, this, this, one, <laughs> this one uh, had the only really sad thing to happen the day it was released, um, March 27th, 2009. A artificial lake called Situ Gitong in uh, Indonesia failed and flooded and killed 100 people. So I would say that 12 Terrible. rounds was the most positive, more positive thing to happen Definitely. that day. Yeah. Jesus. Um, that is sad. That is sad, yes. Uh, so this is the third... Uh, WWE films, technically third, even though, as I mentioned to you off air, um, No yeah, Holds Barred is, changes yeah, and also No no Holds Barred was technically a WWE Studios movie, but anyway, um, he's the third WWE superstar to receive a role in WWE films production behind Dwayne The Rock Johnson with Walking Tall and Stone Cold motherfucking Steve Austin with The Condemned. Which is a terrible movie, but it's so I love it so much. The fact that you can watch Stone Cold on screen is pretty. Yeah, awesome and he's just it. like, God damn it, Stone Cold! Like he, he's just playing Stone Cold. It's amazing. <laughs> it's really good. I I like it. Anyway, um, so uh, this movie is, as I mentioned earlier, is Die Hard Three, and I will explain to that you to that how it is Die Hard Three right now in the sense that. Uh, it's literally a movie about a cop who gets put on this like wild goose chase through the city of New Orleans um, to do all this stuff for a crazy guy whose wife or girlfriend was sort of inadvertently put in the line of danger and died because of the cop. And uh, then it turns out that in the end, all of these crazy things the bad guy was having the cop do are an elaborate setup for an elaborate robbery. And that's Die Hard 3. That's literally <laughs> Die Hard 3. So while I commend this movie for doing a really good job with what it had, it's also like it it's just a major ripoff. Like there's so many times where you're like, that happened in Die Hard 3. Like, and, and you just... Sometimes I wish that literally the guy who directed Die Hard 2 would have some knowledge of the next film in the series <laughs> and not just go out and make it. Try and turn a blind eye to it. But I'm also wondering right now if, like, 
was he like, I could have made Die Hard 3 better, but they didn't pick me. So, yeah, he's going to make this movie. Um, So, 12 Rounds also actually is a series as well, too. There are three, as far as I know, there's only three 12 Rounds movies. Uh, The second one stars Randy Orton, the Viper, as a paramedic. And the third one stars uh, Dean Ambrose, the lunatic fringe, as, I don't know, probably a crazy guy or something. Um, so it, it falls right in line with, uh, the Marine as another WWE film series that has gotten multiple releases with multiple main characters as John Cena and the Miz have played the titular Marine in the six. There's fucking six yeah, I Marine was movies. I just looking at that. I can't believe that. It, am I right about it? Was it? Yeah, yes. The, I'm the most recent one came out last year yep. and it Becky Lynch the Miz, and Becky Lynch and, uh, Shawn apparently Michaels. Shawn Michaels yep. did it. Yeah. Yep. Shawn Michaels was also in another movie uh, that a I think he listens still. So Dave Rillig, um, who's a fan of the show, he really likes Shawn Michaels' movie. The he was in a, it was called the Resurrection or something of Gavin Hunt. Um, I guess Shawn Shawn isn't a terrible actor, so more props to him. But yeah, <laughs> WWE films. Honestly, I'm a, I'm a big fan of them because it's kind of like I know what I'm I'm coming there for. Um, they're, they're really just action movies. So like, you don't ever have to worry about it not being an action movie. Cause you're going to get fight scenes, explosions, gunfights. Like that's what all of them are. Right. I don't think there's a, I mean, even the Isn't chaperone. That one with the, yeah, is that the big show one? No, the chaperone there's, is the one with triple H. There's one with big show and I'm pretty sure it's like a comedy. Oh, knucklehead. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And honestly, that's probably the most famous one. Really? Too. Okay. Yeah. That, or the one that, that has the most like positive um reviews yeah, yeah i would yeah. say it's the most like you know popular or whatever i would even call it uh but i i think that yeah even that one though it's like big show slams a whole bunch of people in it right, so like yeah, it's still like some backyard yeah or something. They, they also i feel like they they're movies that are stuck in the 90s in like late 80s early 90s era of filmmaking uh like knucklehead really reminds me of like early um happy madison type productions okay. you know yeah. like happy happy gilmore or uh or billy madison <laughs> like <laughs> honestly that movie reminds me a lot of billy madison or even uh, a little bit later grandma's boy like, okay, like yeah. stuff like that like they're trying to capitalize on that but uh the, all the other <laughs> movies that have been made with them are just pretty much straight up action movies yeah but they were like like they retain, I think, what makes the superstars great and they really put a focus on the superstars way more than like would have happened with say like Hogan's movies that he was in that weren't made with Vince um where Hogan kind of looked stupider than he probably should have yeah they portrayed him as this meathead wrestler right and I think also because WD Studios are really there to I think it's another way to promote the wrestler so like you get that big where you're the Rock, Stone Cold, John Cena, Randy Orton like then look at the list of people that are using them and they're not just putting Right, but it is as a, it as much as made to make try to make money as it is to promote the company and the and the superstar, and in turn by promoting the superstar, the company again. So like, yeah, it's like when Kane did the whole unmasked thing, right. and then see no evil started coming out because they were making Kane actually this big honestly character. that might now now that you mentioned see no evil that actually might be the That's the most like great highly re- highly rated one, yeah. I, f- I always forget about that. I think I, I remember seeing the most 
promotion for that. Yeah, out yeah, of any of yeah. these. Well, yeah. Every once in a while, I'll watch like an older WWE pay per view, and I'll and it was from that time, and it'll be like, oh yeah, see, see no Jr. is like shelling you, see no evil. I mean, they but they they definitely I think are trying to like you know. WWE and WWF and Vince McMahon in general have always been big about like diversifying what they do and getting in their fingers into as many places as possible. So like even back in the day, like Vince saw it as a good thing that Roddy Piper would go do the, the they live movie because that means a million people who have never fucking heard of Roddy Piper are going to hear about Roddy Piper and they're going to follow that trail who he is, back to called. WWF. Yep. Yeah. And they'll be like, well, hey, why don't I check out WWF? I like this guy. He was good in this movie. So, like, I think that that's part of then creating their own studios, making their own movies, is they figure, like, some random person's going to be like, oh, I've heard of John Cena. I like fucking action movies. Click, I turn this on. Imagine and if you found out about John Cena from 12 Wouldn't rounds. that be amazing? <laughs> I want to that guy. I can't imagine there's, like, any, there's anyone. But, yeah. like, there's got to be, right? <laughs> But I, I definitely feel like there's uh, gotta be someone. Yeah, I didn't. I did, but I definitely feel like, for the most part, it's you know most people already know the. Even if they don't know anything about wrestling or right. don't watch it, the person becomes so big that it's like just like Hulk Hogan. Like everybody knows who he is. You might not even watch wrestling, but you know who Hulk Hogan is. You've seen him somewhere, a movie, a commercial, whatever it is. And like even more so nowadays because like obviously The Rock getting famous. The the fact that that whole Attitude Era was so fucking big and like i i always hate how it's called the attitude era because that's unfair to wcw it's really should be called the golden age of wrestling everybody wants you know obviously the old days are the golden age and when but really the 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 most important time and most popular and most uh, lucrative profit wise time in wrestling was when wcw and wwf were the two biggest companies and they were trying to kill each other Basically, the Attitude Era, late yeah. '80s into the 2000s, like, and it was it's the most it, memorable, right? For sure. And that's mainly because it was so big with people. Legitimately, it was mainstream, and that's the only time I really feel like it's been mainstream. Like now, it is mainstream because of that. Yep. But it's not the same. Like everybody knew who The Rock was. Everybody knew who Stone Cold was. Even if they'd never watched a single fucking show, because yeah, those it was were must everywhere. watch television. Right. Exactly, it was so big. So I think that, like you know, it's it was if they had been able to be coming out with movies at that time, if they had capitalized on that, it would have hurt them, and you wouldn't have seen WWF become the company it became. But at the same time, like that, that's mainly because they were focusing on the wrestling because they had to beat the other guys. Right. And so like, it's, it's just, they're, they're never going to ever come back and be able to recapture that. It's just, it was like fire in a bottle or whatever, you know? Exactly. It's just the lucky strike right yep. there. Yep. So, but I mean, I like, I liked this movie. Um, I've now seen it twice cause we watched it. I watched it myself and then we watched it today. Um, I really enjoy this movie. But that's because I really enjoy Die Hard 3. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I figured you'd like it. Hmm. For, like, if, if nothing else, for that bit of it, the action y right. predictability bits. My like takeaway line that I would say is that, like, it feels like a mixture of both Speed and Die Hard with a Vengeance, obviously. And the script is kind of jumbled and there's a lot of cliches. Um, but the action scenes are fantastic. And if you're not charmed by John Cena, 
you don't have a fucking heart. I'm yeah, sorry. The guy's just charming. charming. Guy. He gets me. And I think he that... has one nice voice crack in the movie. Right. When he's yeah. like getting real emotional. Yep. He just storms off. His voice <laughs> cracks. And you're like, oh, I feel for this guy. Right, right. And I don't know. There's Yeah, he knows how to like be a little bit down to earth or at least feels like he's down to earth. Um, I also will say, you know, like big shout out. I'm from Newburyport, Massachusetts. Oh. John Cena's from West Newbury. So I grew up in the same area as Big John. Um, yeah, big match, John. And, uh, he's one of, honestly, one of my favorite wrestlers, but not because of like his wrestling. I think it's because of everything he is. He seems like a legitimately good person and, uh, all his like work with make a wish and stuff. Like he seems like he actually wants to fuck it. He wants to give back and take care of people and, and not just like give lip service to it. Right. Um, but I really would hope that he'd turn heel. And it looks like he'll never actually turn heel. So that's sad. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I uh, I enjoyed this movie. And uh, I think that that's about all I have to say yeah, about I it, honestly. Other, all the, other than that, got lines, other than got the scenes, awards, got yeah. stuff. So yeah. why don't we just jump straight? This cabinet minister, does he always travel on the wrong side of the border? Apparently they straight off course. And we're fairly certain they're in guerrilla hands. So why don't you use the regular army? What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Dylan! You son of a bitch. The feeling is definitely there. It's a new morning in America. Fresh, vital. The old cynicism is gone. They give you two things when you're a cop, a gun and a badge. Can't find my badge. It's on the thingy. Be safe, okay? We have faith in our leader. We're optimistic. They say we're still in too far, and they can't risk coming in after us. Your assets, Dylan. Expendable assets. As to what becomes of it all, it really boils down to our ability to accept. Is this Officer Fisher, the New Orleans Police Department? Yeah. How you been? We don't need pessimism. There are no limits. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. It figures it would be something like this. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. If you are still standing after all 12 rounds, you'll have won her back. I'm gonna hunt you down and I'm gonna kill you. Into that. We're gonna get right into the awards segment of the show where we're just going to talk about some of our favorite stuff from each movie and uh so why don't we just we'll go in the same order here and start with, with predator so uh my favorite scene is the opening helicopter long t- long tall sally ride sexual tyrannosaurus that whole scene i love that little scene and also the way that it like sets up this uh, it it puts you at ease before everything that's about to happen. And that's yeah, it's really definitely great... the one sort of breath of fresh air scene where yep, everything's yep. okay. So one time they're all like relaxed yep. in the whole movie. What about you for the uh, best scene? So I'd say the best scene in my opinion is when um, Arnold's finally alone. Well, I don't want to say finally alone because it's unfortunate that yeah. he gets to the point where he's alone. But after the river scene, he flies down there and then he starts building that trap. Yes, and he's like. Fuck it, I'm doing this. Yep. Like, and I'm then he's, get this guy. he lights the torch. And he's like, oh! Yeah, it's a classic Arnold scream. But <laughs> it's so, it's so cool because you see him just alone. There's no dialogue mm-hmm. the whole time. It's mm-hmm. just him 
really acting it out and getting you to believe that he's going to do this. He's going to finish yep. the job. Yep. And I think that's an awesome sort of pinnacle of the movie. Yes. I also, I love that final fight between him and the predator. Um, I love the, the scene actually, honestly, I love the scene where Jesse gets killed and then, uh, Ed Duke, or I would say that Bill Duke picks up the, um, old painless and starts shooting it into the forest. That's a great one. Yeah. Too. Just start spraying yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that fight scene is fantastic. Uh, for best line, I got to give it to, there's, there's three that I really like. Um, I love the, this is going to make you a goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus, even though he drops the, the other F-bomb right before that. But hey, it's yeah. 1987. But it still, right. it still fits this whole like over macho sort of, it's like the antithesis of the thing, the, it, the thing's take on masculinity, which is one of the things I love about that movie and this one is a very like everything's masculine but then all that masculinity gets fucking crushed by something that's not masculine or feminine and that's pretty great um i also just love it, mainly because of the arnold um soundboard voiceover things is that no deal yeah, <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines. So good. but my favorite line is fucking because some damn fool accused you of being the best i just i i love that's that so fucking good. line it's so classic <laughs> what about you uh my, i think the best line is the second time he says the classic get to the chopper yes <laughs> it's like right the, the whole heat of the predator things happening people, i think people have already gotten killed at that point he gets hit with one of the like laser launches mm -hmm. and he just yells it right after he gets yeah hit. <laughs> and it's it's so powerful but so funny at the same time yep yep um, so the most over the top character slash moment, this one, I mean, for character, honestly, it would probably be Hawkins. Who's the guy who you're just talking about who tells the jokes. I think he's kind of really the most over the top. They're, they're all pretty like, he's the least like all of them. Yeah. And I mean, they're all kind of over the top in their own way. I, I agree with him being the most over the top so, character. Yeah. Um, but the most over the top moment by far. Now, if you guys will remember, if you listen to our episode on Robo War, which was a move an Italian ripoff of the movie Predator and a little bit of Robocop, there is a scene in that movie where someone kicked a fucking falcon. And I totally forgot, and so did my two uh, guests, Evan and John, that that happens in Predator. I was why I was like, I forgot that he just walks up and he kicks the fucking vulture. And I was like, yeah, what right the next fuck? to the dead body. Yeah. I was like, that's beautiful. I can't believe I forgot that they literally ripped that off from Predator. It's so insane. Um, what about you? Um, so like I said, I agree with you about the character. I think that Hawkins is definitely he's other than um what's his name? Poncho. He's the other yeah, guy. Poncho, so yeah. other than Poncho, but Poncho's got the sort of smarts that make him fit into that category. Yeah, yeah. Hawkins just seems sort of like he's the, the, he's, the gesture. He's of the, the radar. Group. If you've yeah. ever seen MASH, he's radar. Right. Of the exactly. Group. Yeah. Exactly. He even has glasses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he looks the part. So I think he's definitely the most over the top character um for the most over the top scene another one with hawkins yes. it's like he keeps telling these jokes about his girlfriend the big pussy, pussy. yeah, <laughs> yeah the, big... the big pussy joke at the echo and uh billy just starts laughing at it like at like 10 seconds uh, after he tells uh, the joke uh, uh, yeah it does like, it, like big gut to the... howl and then it cuts right to the predator vision and it makes the voice deeper yeah and, and like horrible echoing. sounding like he's like a screeching like and i love that because it's like the predator looks down on us yeah, yeah and yeah, that's yeah. why listen to our fucking screechy like ugly animals that we are oh it's so well yeah done. i just thought it was like so ridiculous mm -hmm. that they were like, we're going to take this as an opportunity to switch to the Predator's perspective. Yeah. And as well, Billy's just howling at some yep, joke. Yep. Um, best shot. I actually wrote something here, but I'm going to change it because I think actually the best shot of the whole movie is Arnold screaming, holding the torch 
and the way that that cut happens, it's like a close cut and then it like moves back to a, a further back cut. And it's something you see in, in stuff all the time. It's so overused. I mean, I'm sure Predator isn't even the one who like created it, obviously, but it looks great. And Arnold just like big muscly guy with the torch. It just looks so fucking cool. I think it's the best like single shot. However, the whole scene where they attack the, the gorilla's base is some of the best action stuff. Even though earlier I did mention that there's a huge flub there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also has, I'm going to just throw it in right here with this, The be- my favorite stunt, which is when uh, Jesse shoots old painless at the guy in the tree and there's an explosion and the guy goes out of the tree. That was a great stunt because that tree is about 50 feet up from what I, I, I heard in the making of Predator. So that's a huge stunt. Like, that was a dangerous-ass yeah. stunt that doesn't look as dangerous as it actually is Right. Um, at first. So what about you, man? So I'll combine those two again as well. Yeah. Um, so for the shot, I originally wrote the helicopter ride just because I really love shots like that of the two helicopters sort of parallel to each other yeah, going yeah. through a big No, that is a really good shot, and too. And cutting between the inside, like the total pitch black inside where they're sort of figuring out their emotions amongst mm-hmm. themselves and like uh the body's like got a huge lip in and, oh like, yeah people yeah. are sitting there just kind of focusing everybody's doing their own different thing i really like that one and then um the the dylan you son of a bitch scene that's <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah it's a classic i that that interlocking hands is yep. one of the coolest yep. things i only didn't pick that for my favorite scene because i picked that part for my favorite i mean literally it's not just the some damn fool line it's like that whole yeah moment. the whole interaction yeah. like what is the you like what is the son of a bitch pushing too many pencils yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the cia got you pushing so many pencils <laughs> yeah it's amazing and but it also like it's such a representation of like what you we were talking about earlier with the whole masculinity thing the whole like the way that all these guys were all pumped up in this stuff like it's it's literally happening in the story of the movie as well as being like the background of the movie and right. i love that and for uh for stunt mm-hmm. i have uh, a little, I was torn between two because I don't really know how they did the poncho getting hit by the oh, yeah. swinging log. I, the log. I read like that earlier. Was ribs, like, yep. But I really liked that one. I thought that was entertaining. It's a good stunt. Yeah, yeah and it was cool too because it just it totally blindsided me. I, I've obviously seen the movie before, but every time I see that scene, it just happens so yep, fast out exactly. of nowhere. And now you have this whole new mm-hmm. part of the story where poncho has to basically be dragged around. And I think what I love about that is because you, you assume even when you've already seen it, that like it, it, what it tricks you into assuming that the predator is going to like jump on him or something. Right. Right. And the fact that it's like their own, it's like a trap. Like the yep. predator is like literally showing them that like, I'm smarter than you could ever imagine. And I think that's also something that's being told to the audience because this is an audience that thinks of this creature more like the xenomorph, right? Intelligent, but still an animal less intelligent than a human. Whereas the predator is on the same level, if not more intelligent. Right, right. So like that part of it, an alien that is can think like a human, is scarier to me than a savage alien. I think that's one of the things that made the the xenomorph alien frightening is the intelligence more than the savagery. You right. know, that's what. And so like with predator, it's like they're taking that a step further, being like, oh yeah, what if it was like more technologically advanced and just as smart and just as savvy as a human being. Right. Like then you're basically fighting against, a, 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 you know, insurmountable odds. Right. And then the other, uh, my best, I'd say the best stunt in my opinion is uh, when Arnold's falling down the waterfall and through the river. Yes. Like just genuinely swimming. Now you know? that is an interesting stunt. That's a dolly shot. 
Oh, really? Yeah, they put him on a cart, and he's being carted down the hill. And, no way. Yep, so, like, it, the camera was attached to the same dolly that he was on. It looks amazing, though. I yeah, love that. it's it, super it, well it, shot. Exactly. Um, and my favorite music, last up now, my favorite music, I gave it to Long Tall Sally. But I'll also say that, honestly, the the music, the Predator theme in general is really catchy for an instrumental theme and it i think the score is great it's a great score yeah and again but this is this is a a, a, these are directors who know their scores i feel like mctiernan and carpenter always have a great score in their movies this one though really reminds me of die hard and that's another thing i always say about die hard die hard one has one of the best scores out of any movie because it totally, it, it more than almost any other film I've ever seen, it talks to you, the listener, without you realizing it. It tells you the whole story of everything that's going on, and it follows your feelings with what's on screen. So, like, there's always, like, a cheerful sound when you're supposed to be smiling. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And there's a lot of that. Yeah, they line up movie. the emotions really well. Right. This movie does that, too. And But it's this movie is more about creating fear and and a sense of being trapped right and the music yeah, there doesn't aren't many perfectly. like major key <laughs> right songs right in the score in this really song. and really it's like we were saying earlier about the long tall that's why i, I kind of go with long tall sally because that sets up a totally different film to you where these guys are going to be like kick open the door kick gung-ho yeah. kick ass we're out of there and then they they're not expecting to get slaughtered one by one by a superior, and neither is the audience in 1987 right. expecting you don't that. Know what's gonna right, happen. it's similar to another film that I would say is very similar is the is Aliens. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of the same thing that happens in Aliens, where they're like, "We're gonna kick ass." Oh wait, a whole bunch of us are yeah, dead wait, now. We definitely can't. Do yeah, this. <laughs> um, yeah. So to say my best song from it, it correlates pretty much directly with what we were just talking about about the score. Yep, really carrying with the emotions of it and. It's the song that plays during the one I picked for the best scene when he's building the trap. Yeah. I just really, it's really nice. Basically, yeah, the whole, honestly, I feel like the whole end of the score is really good because um, I even like, I specifically, when I was watching it, I grabbed the audio for the uh, the end, like the credit music because it's really good. It's really powerful. And it's the kind of stuff that like when a director correctly matches the ending credit song with how you should be feeling at the end of the movie, but when it's a score, not like a popular music song, I think that's even more important. And like right. the, the, that whole ending section of music is fantastic. He did the same thing in Die Hard. The guy, McTiernan knew how to make action movies front to back and music is a huge part of it. Totally. And so yeah, I totally agree. I lo- I saw building a trap and I was like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. It's good stuff. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. 
but I'm a genetic freak and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best that beat me. And then you add Kurt Angle to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. Oh, no. This really scares me, Tony. As you can see, when Big Papa Pop comes to town, all my hooches come around. But it's just a damn shame that we had to leave LA and come to this cesspool called Tulsa. But last night when I was kicking it in the bootio, proving that I was the daddy, that I was the king of the night. <laughs> but I'm not one to brag. Magenta, Jim, why don't you tell me what it's like to be with the Purple Warrior? The what? Papa, huh? You're not just any man between the sheets, honey. Kim, why don't you tell him what he's really like? Oh, that's right. Big Papa pumps not any just. He's our Superman. You're damn straight. So this goes to all my freaks out there. Big Papa Pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. He's right about Tulsa, Tony. You know what you get when you spell Tulsa backwards, don't you? Uh, I'm done. No. No. I don't. Think about it. Okay. Open the soul of your ears. You heard the challenge in the back when Sid Vicious was out earlier. Well, you know, first things first, me, Gene. And I guess you could say that Hollywood mania is running wild, brother. So right, yeah, so what does that bring us to the they that live? brings us to they lives awards. So for me, I'm gonna say my favorite scene by far, alleyway beatdown. I agree, 100. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's like nothing else we've ever seen. We already talked about a whole bunch. Let's just skip right past it. My favorite line is, "Life's a bitch, and she's back in heat." With his Canadian accent, it's it's every time I chuckle at it. It's like to this day I chuckled at it the last time I watched it, even though I've watched this movie like five hundred times. I still laugh at that line. It's just so over the top. Right, right. Uh, mine's probably it's a tie between when he first starts going on this rampage and puts the glasses on. And yeah, yeah. That's when all put, the, put on the glasses. Yeah, he just got, starts getting all these crazy lines. That was the bubblegum one comes. Yep, I yep. really like. There's this lady in like the store that he's in, and he looks over at her. Yeah, and, and she's goes, an alien. You look like your head fell in cheese dip in 1957. Yeah. You, you're not yeah. bad. I put you... these glasses on, and I look at you <laughs> real fucking ugly. Real yeah, fucking ugly. So good. That was great. Yeah, stuff. that that, and I also you also put up there the golden rule. That that line. I mean, it's such a yeah, cliche the line. Golden rule. He who has it's, the gold makes the rules. He, it's his I feel delivery. like that tied into the message of it though yeah. too. Like that weird. Uh, if you're looking at the aliens figuratively, I feel like mm -hmm. that line really ties mm -hmm. in with what the movie is trying to convey to you. A lot of it too is Roddy's delivery. He's he really like I said earlier, man. The guy knew how to cut a promo, so he knew how to deliver a line. Yeah. And like that's again why I think The Rock is such a great actor. 
he was so good at giving promos. So when he reads a line, he knows how he should say it. Right, exactly. Hulk Hogan didn't know how to do that. No, not at not all. necessarily, unless he was just yelling at someone. Yeah. So, <laughs> same, same thing with right, like Stone Cold right. and the Condemned. You know, mm-hmm. and I love Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. He can definitely sell a speech. Exactly, but exactly. Very, very specific sound. Yeah, it. yeah. And it, it's, it's nuance that a lot of wrestlers just don't have. Right. You know? um, for me, the most over-the-top mo- uh, character I'll start with was George Buckflower, and he's uh, the guy who's like, oh, let's turn this TV off, and then later on he's joined up with the bad guys and shit, and he like sh- he get- takes him on a tour of the building. There's not a lot, like, I mean, everything's kind of over the top in this movie, but, like, he kind of, like, stands out as, like, the funniest character, the one I, like, laugh the most at his scenes. Um, and the most over the top moment is probably actually honestly the scene you were just saying the whole time he's when he first gets the glasses but r- that whole like m- section of it is pretty yeah, crazy like a five minute span where right. he's just like oh. yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly on and taking them but off. honestly when he gets to the grocery store that point in the grocery store with the you real fucking uh, that yeah. whole part is maybe the most over the top moment uh, way over or Honestly, when he goes into the bank and just starts shooting oh, people, just starts mowing yeah. people down, the, with the, no consequence. Yeah, all. it's it. It's like he's like, oh, I just found out everything's fake. I'm a revolutionary now. I'm gonna just go shoot up a bank. <laughs> it was very strange. <laughs> yeah, it was really straight to yeah. the point, right there. I guess. <laughs> um, I said that my favorite. I guess I didn't really have an over over the top character. Like I see, I see what you're saying about George Buck, but I feel like there just wasn't enough of him in it for me or to like I feel like that, that the whole honestly the way I would put it is that the whole cast is kind of at the same level of over the top right yeah, yeah so it's hard it's to like pick one level. that's like the most over the top exactly, you know exactly. it's more the moments right right yeah um and so for my scene that I had over the top like moment yeah. it was like the first time that night when the police rushed like the the yes. homeless camp or yep. whatever cuz it's you don't really know what's happening in the movie. You just see that weird television interruption, and then Roddy figures out like, oh, there's something going on yeah. in that building. And then, the and then all of a sudden, like up, yep. twenty cruisers, the SWAT the team, they bulldozers. start stuff over the bulldozer. Yep. It's like, whoa, yes. what's Honestly, going on? I put that in for my best shot slash cuts oh, nice. in the film. The whole nighttime raid, uh, all th- all the way through when Roddy walks away. And he sees like the priest and the other guys that he knows who are, you know, working in the church. He sees them getting arrested and beat up and he just walks past because right. not only do I love like the way that whole thing was shot, but I also think it's super important for establishing what kind of hero Roddy Piper's character is, which we should mention his name is Nada. It's never said in the movie. Yep. It's said in the credits, which means nothing in Spanish, which I, so he's just like, uh, like one of my favorite movies, uh, dead man. He's named nobody. He's named nothing. Um, but so it establishes his character, uh, as not the perfect hero, but rather as the relatable, real smart hero who thinks through situations and doesn't just rush in heroically and just win because he's the hero, you know, he he's so like I really liked how that scene played out and I always am really happy when it's like he walks away then he finds that young guy who let him borrow the binoculars and he's like come on and he saves him because he's like we can get you out of here those guys are screwed there's nothing I can do for them except for to move on and carry on what they're doing so it's a it's a powerful message that normally in movies they're just like nah the hero is just going to save them 
And it's like, that's not normally how it would play out. Right. You right. know, he's it's insurmounting odds. So Exactly. What was your favorite shot? Uh, so my favorite shot was when he, uh, when Roddy goes over into the church and is sort of snooping around and scoping things out. And, then and he <laughs> finds that little hole. Yep. And then he closes it back up. And as soon as he closes it back up, he turns around. And the blind guy is just the blind there, priest like, is like, "Let me touch your face." Yeah, yeah. his face and stuff. It genuinely scared me. Like, yeah. I, oh I was, yeah. Like, jump startled. Jump yeah. scare. Yeah. But I thought that was cool to like establish that character definitely, in there definitely. too, and like show you like, wait a minute, this guy is like somehow knew he was there too. Obviously, yeah. his other senses are yeah. heightened. But yeah. um, my favorite. First, I feel like sorry to interrupt you. No, that's, but that's like, Go ahead. I feel like that's one of the first times too that you you notice like Roddy's getting into some shit. Like, you yeah. don't really know what's going on as the viewer, but then that happens, and as soon as he's done snooping, someone's there to yep. confront him about yep. it. I feel like you you realize he's about to unearth something pretty yeah, serious. Yeah, exactly. Um, my favorite stunt, uh, I'm just going to go, really, it's the whole alley beatdown scene again, but really, it's, in particular, Keith David taking a backdrop, which we've mentioned a couple of times, yeah, on the so concrete. Sick. That is a great stunt. It seriously gets some massive credit for that. Yeah. And I mean, there's a couple of great ones in this, but I just like that because of the wrestling uh, theme we're going tonight. That's why I wanted to go with that one. What about you? Right. Uh, mine is when I, I forget her name, the love interest in it. Yeah. yeah. But um, when after he kidnaps her, brings her back to her apartment and she smashes the bottle over his head and throws him out the window. And then he rolls down that like 70 degree yeah, cliff. Yeah. I thought that was, yeah, he's basically, fun. that is like, uh, where, where Franklin lives in grand theft auto five yeah. part of LA. <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember, so I was like, yeah, Oh my God. Why is it so steep? Everything's it's, like so the, steep. it's like that mission in GTA five where you got to pull that guy's like house down. You got to like yeah. drive the truck up and yank the like stilts <laughs> from the guy's house. Like I was like, that's where this that's is. Literally what it yeah. looks like. Too. That's it's like, got, like the weird corner. Yep, like, yep, and all those like windy roads and shit. Yeah. Um. And so, and also the so finally the best music. Um. There's not a honestly there's not a whole lot of music in it. So I went with that fucking blues song that totally plays constantly. That. It yeah. Just keeps coming back. It's a pretty good <laughs> song, man. I like it. It's kind of like I don't know. I mean, it'll be playing in the background when I'm talking right now. I know yeah. we're at this, but like. It's just, it's cool. It's cool. It's wicked 80s. Yeah, Borderline reminds me of like that Twin Peaks theme song. Yeah, a little like bit. Stripped down. If, yeah, look, I felt like it would be in like a mystery video game. Yeah. So like Twin Peaks, <laughs> pretty close. Yeah. Like it's just, it's it's cool. It's really 80s, but it's, uh, it, it fits also sort of like the feel of it. Like it's, um, Kind of like suspenseful, yep. and bluesy at the same time. Right. I don't know. I really enjoy it. I it, whenever I hear it, like it, it brings me right to this movie. So, um, and now we're gonna round this up, round this up with our twelfth round, twelve rounds. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, best scene for me. I really like the scene where they're on the bus. And it's it's the first time that John Cena and Aiden Gillen are on uh, screen together since th their their first encounter. Um, so since he's been doing this whole twelve rounds, rounds. yeah. Um, and they they've got the snipers set up, so Cena has to essentially save this guy that he really would love to see his head get blown off's life because if he kills, there's a good chance his his wife's gonna die. And everybody else in the bus. Too. Exactly. So um, that that scene is just, I think it, that is really good. But but when we just watched it right now, we literally just finished watching it before we started recording this. Um, 
this fight scene in the helicopter that ends the penultimate so is really fucking good. And I think that's actually my vote. Yeah. That is such a well done scene. That, that, that probably has my favorite over the top moment in it too. Mm. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Right. Um, I think my favorite scene was, I think it might be in the, the third or fourth round. Uh, he steals the fire. He doesn't steal it, but he well, takes yeah, the fire yeah. truck and he's using it so he can get to his next location to basically get to the fifth round or the sixth round. And, he, and he's just yeah. leveling the town. He hits like fifteen cars. <laughs> he just, like causes and like he'll like swerve and then it'll show the cars. Yep. Got into an accident because yep. he swerved. It, it just totally destroys the city. For all the destruction that all these movies that happen, all these movies by far, John Cena wins. By like a couple million dollars yeah. on the amount of damage he caused monetarily. Starting in like the first 15 yeah. minutes of the movie. Because that, the, honestly, it's funny that you mentioned that because that was the first time that that thought like jokingly went around. Like, I wonder how much money like in damage John Cena caused. And that's not even close to what he does later on. So yeah, like, of course, exactly. you know, there, that's even before the whole trolley crash scene and all that shit. So like. It gets even worse, but yes, that scene where he's just driving through cars and smashing through everything, it was right. like, wow. <laughs> it, was well, it was well done. Uh, I think the best line in the movie, uh, I've told you this a couple times, but I just love how he says, uh, when they're on that same bus I, bus scene I was mentioning earlier, what's stopping me from reaching, reaching over there and kicking your ass? Mainly because he says reaching and then kicking. <laughs> Just like, wouldn't you say beat the shit out of or something? Yeah, like, like something. <laughs> yeah, implying your foot. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think the best line is in the. I think it's like the second round when there, <laughs> there's like the weird pattern that turns out to be like latitude. Yeah, latitude yeah, yeah. Spray painted on the garage, and they gotta figure it out. And then John Cena figures it out. Yeah, and Brian like, okay, J. White's like, "Who's that? How'd you do that? That's your longitude." He runs into the cop car, goes, eighth grade geography, brother. Let's go." <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. I'm it's... so glad you picked that because I pointed it out when we just watched it. Yeah, I was like, I, "I love that I line." Fucking love yeah. it, man. Uh, most over-the-top character by far is Aiden Gillen, as whatever his name was. Uh, he is Miles. He is so over the top in this movie. He was like, oh, this is this is a crazy villain. This is literally fucking I'm going to be Jeremy Irons in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. I'm doing it. But the most over the top moment to me, though, there was a couple. I love how at the very beginning they're like the FBI is like tracking him. And he just walks up to these random two guys playing chess. And he tells one of the guys, like, no, 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 you don't want to do that because this, 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 and this. He plays chess by, like, sight. He literally is, like, a chess genius. Yeah, just reading the numbers. Of the and, I, dude, the first time I saw it, I literally burst out laughing. I was like, what? What is he doing? <laughs> he's like, chased. Yeah. Like, wait. And he starts doing that. I think it's, like, and I think it's supposed to, like insinuate that like he's so smart like he knows they're chasing him and he's like fucking with them it's so, it's so weird and they make him out to be so smart because he knows right. chess he's well and because literally i feel man. like he's are he's already double crossing the fbi right like the whole that whole opening scene is a double cross double cross yeah so like i assume that he's doing that for them because he knows they're listening oh yeah. exactly he knows they're listening the whole time yeah um he's easily my most over-the-top character he's, i don't think there's, there's no comparison there's nothing close to it um, and it's funny thinking about him in other roles in this role. I just kind of like, yeah, a couple of times I'm like, oh, this is literally Littlefinger. Just yeah, exactly. Snaky well, we mentioned it, too, because he has the hair from the same character he played in The Dark Knight. And every once in a while, even though he's Irish, he like 
reverts to like this weird uh, like american accent yeah it's that no, re- no consistency right and it reminds <laughs> but it reminds me of that particular character from yep. the dark knight the cia agent who has become like super famous in memes somehow oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's one of those weird things but the Fucking internet internet's a weird place right? <laughs> yeah uh, for over the top moment in the movie i think is at the beginning it's like the first round when uh, John Cena's house gets exploded. Yes, in the um, plumber. Yeah, I just think it's the most over top moment because they just totally kill the plumber that was in yeah. there. And I no love how reason. he says he's like, "Oh, round one, I take the pl- like the Paul or whatever, yeah, Dave, the like, plumber." Dude, this poor fucking guy. Yeah, round one was the plumber. What? <laughs> <laughs> so you killed my plumber? Like, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, my best shot slash cut, uh, I really liked when John Cena repels down the side of a building, just like in Die Hard. Um, and apparently John was scared out of his mind doing that. That was the only, even though he was harnessed, that was the only scene in action scene in the movie that he was like, I was actually scared. Uh, but yeah, that whole scene is is really cool. I love. Uh, I mean, it's so Die Hard three. Yeah, even has like a classic. Like, yeah, because Die Hard. We were kind of talking about it again. I don't remember it exactly, but I know there's a scene where he, ha- where John McClane has to like go up a ladder truck or something. It, with there's this fire truck thing in the movie, and it was really similar to that. And then of course you have him like jumping off of a building and rappelling down, which is very similar to the first Die Hard movie, but like. It's a really good set piece, so like I really don't feel like it. It's it's like you could say that about so many action movies that have similar scenes. Like okay, they have a repelling falling scene in yeah. Rush Rush Hour. Does right, that mean that right. every scene that does that is making is ripping off Rush Hour? No, you know? Yeah, it's. I mean, that's such a but I think bland thing I, I think it's more that just the whole movie being so based down and related to Die Hard right, Three that right, it's just like right. another moment. But it, it's well done. It's well shot. So yeah. I liked it. I think my favorite shot in it was at the very beginning when uh, John Cena is running down to stop the car from getting away that you find out has. Oh, well, actually, you already know it at that point that Miles is in the trunk of it yep. and it's escaping. And he's just running on foot for all this fucking time trying to chase him down. And then to stop him, he pulls some guy's boat out. And it's actually a really badass scene where the car is yeah. like racing for time. He pulls out this boat. And then the stunt part of it would be them literally launching a car like a like a makeshift ramp through yeah. this boat. I thought that yeah. was super cool. That was really good. And I yeah. feel like it was one of the least like a I don't know. There were a lot of like big explosions and huge destruction things, but I feel like this one was really minimalist in the explosion yep, and destruction. Yep. So you well, had to legit launch this car yeah. through a boat. And there's there's two. There's another really good car stunt in this movie where the scene where the trolley's out of control and Cena has to drive the car this car in front of the train and like climb kick out the fucking window climb out onto the car and then They're climb like, into wow, the train it's yeah down the track and yeah. that that was also really done honestly I dude agree. if i was going to get if the one thing that saves this movie that makes this movie watchable is the fact that the action scenes are really really well done yeah they are and they put a you can tell they put a lot of effort and money into oh totally those scenes and even though the script is like o- only okay 
with with that stuff working makes it an enjoyable film like i like watching it, it there's it wasn't one of those films that i was like oh i'm gonna have to watch this again right. every once in a while you get those where you're like even if we, you enjoyed it you're like i don't want to have to watch it again yeah exactly this movie I was like i could watch this again it was fine it, yeah, was, it was it was fun it was actiony enough and it was uh, enjoyable, easily digestible exactly and to get right into it, the best music for this, I mean, there's not a whole bunch of music. There is a Rise Against song, and there is a song by some, like, Finnish new metal band. Um, the score by Trevor Rabin, who was the, uh, uh, he was Yes's guitarist in the 80s. He's uh, actually currently uh, John Anderson's guitarist, yes, too. Yes, there he's you go. With him right yeah, he's now. good friends with John Anderson. Mm-hmm. I think that's how he got into Yes. But yes, he is the guitar player on Owner of a Lonely Heart. He has a, it's a pretty good score. It's very similar, honestly, to movies like Die Hard and stuff. It uses like an orchestral, very like, uh, like, like frantic sort yep. of score that I fits movies like this. I haven't looked too much into it, but I've been told that he has a pretty interesting, uh, repertoire of movies that he's scored. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm going to want to I didn't really look into it either, ones. but yeah. Cuz apparently this is this is not like an odd thing that he's scoring. Right, movie, right. I he's, guess. This is like his thing now. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, cuz I, I I mean I got to say my I mean if I'm really going to pick a favorite music, I would pick this one song that we've watched it twice and we didn't see it yep, either time. It, yep. But a, according to IMDb and everything I've read, Mark Sexual Chocolate Henry's WWE Attitude Era theme music, Sexual, by Jim Johnston, is in this movie. Which gets my vote for best music. Yeah, just it's same there. here. By far. <laughs> by far. Because it's fantastic. It'll be playing in the background right now. Hell so yeah. Um, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, so that is 12 rounds. And now we're getting to the very meat of it. The verdict time. All right, here we go. It's time to make a decision. Dylan, I'm going to start with you. Okay, here we go. Rate these movies. All Give right, me these so movies. Going third, going third to first. Yes. I picked it, but I got to put 12 rounds third just because the competition yeah. that's up against is yeah, real, real it's tough. tough. It's yeah. real tough. Um, second place, Predator. Ooh. It's a classic. It's such a good movie, but I didn't. I'd never seen They Live before. And I'm so happy I bought it. I'm going to watch the shit out of that movie. <laughs> it is so good. The message behind it is cool. Yeah. And it's so unique and different for something out of that time. That's totally. that's my vote for the best totally. movie this week. Uh, honestly, I'm like pretty much exactly in the same boat. Uh, obviously, 12 rounds is third. Yeah. I mean, sorry. It, Sorry, but, well, like, honestly, it's it's rough. It, it It's exactly what you said. It's up against the toughest of tough competition. And it's got a really loose script that could yeah. totally use some polishing. Yeah, and it definitely, it's like Predator and, and They Live, while there's definitely, like, influences you could take from older films. Like, I'm sure when you get into it, there's something that, like, John Carpenter stole. There's something John McTiernan stole from somebody else. Like, that's just how movies go. But the fact that when you watch 12 rounds, if you've seen Die Hard with a Vengeance, you're like, I've already seen this movie is a major drawback for it. Yep. And and the thing I kept talking about it with you and when I kept thinking when I was watching it is that like 12 rounds is a movie that that is successful despite all that. So like it definitely deserves to be watched. Honestly, out of all the WWE Studios movies I've seen, this is the best one right. I've seen so far. Um, including Knucklehead, which was really funny, but like, 
this this movie works and it, it got me and I enjoyed it and like I, I like it. Yeah. But, I, w- I wouldn't say it's an, an ironic watch. Like, no. It's, it's no. enjoyable. But, however, like I mentioned earlier, They Live in Predator are two of my favorite movies. And I'm going to give it to They Live because I picked it. So I might as well pick yeah, my own movie. Is better. But I, oh, I already told you this, and I always say this. Predator might be my like third or fourth favorite film of all time. I love that film. But that doesn't necessarily mean that like it's better or that it, it's more yeah, important. Yeah, that's just totally subjective. Yeah, it's subjective, exactly. So like, I think that They Live is also important, not only because of its message and everything, but also because... It's like Predator is based on the strength of Arnold Schwarzenegger as opposed to Jesse the Body Ventura. So if we're talking about the best movies with wrestlers in them, this movie is on the strength of Roddy Piper and it succeeds. And that, maybe more than anything, is the most important thing about it. It's great as a movie, but like you could almost put anybody in that role and, and it would still be great. It's the fact that you have someone who is not considered a true actor doing amazingly and showing that anybody can be an actor if they try hard, right. enough, you know, and he definitely brings so much to the movie that like more so than what, like you could put someone else in Jesse's role and I wouldn't feel any different about predator, but you could put someone in Roddy's role and that part of it gets lost. That part that it feel makes it feel like it's a, a sum of all parts and everyone's working really hard, a bunch of small time actors, not a bunch of superstars. Whereas Predator is more of a group of like well known, established actors and people getting together. So I just think They Live is this really important film that like lots of people should see. And I'll pick it for that very reason. Right. I totally agree with you that know? last bit. Yeah. And I think Predator is a movie a lot of people have already seen or already know. The story too. Definitely, they live has a really strong message, and that supersedes everything else this week. So absolutely. Yeah. So that's right, guys. They live is y'all winner. That means mm. I win. You yeah, bitch. You, bitch. you just gotta pick better movies. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really fucking striking out over here. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, that's it. We've reached episode 25 of My Movies Better. And we got something for uh, 26. Yes, we do. We have something for 26. And I guess we're just going to go with it. Shoot from the hip, Kev. T- yeah, what TV. We we're going to do next week, We will, or next time, we will be doing films that are based on television shows, but not like Serenity and Firefly. We're talking about not continuations or... or uh, the end of a series that didn't get to finish, like say Twin Peaks. We're talking about movies that were uh, TV shows that were made into movies because they got so popular. So again, same thing with like anime movies. I would accept the Cowboy Bebop movie because it's not a continuation of the series. You don't have to watch all of those episodes to watch the movie. Right. Uh, again, Serenity. You kind of have to watch Firefly. Because then you will understand the story and the characters and all that stuff. Right. So, um, my pick, I don't know if you have one. I have yet. Okay. Well, I do have a pick. To kind of give the listeners an idea of what we're going to be talking yeah. about, I have picked Masters of the Universe starring uh, Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella. 
And so that's kind of what we're looking for. Hell yeah. When a movie is made based on a TV show, but it's not a continuation or a finale of the TV show, it is a movie version. So a movie we actually already covered, Power Rangers the movie would fit into that. Exactly. You can watch Power Rangers the movie without watching every episode of Power Rangers. Yes. <laughs> it, it establishes the characters for those uninitiated. Exactly. That's basically the thing. All right, so I want to thank you guys again for listening to this episode and all episodes. Yes, thank you so much. Please like, share, subscribe, drop us a review if you would. We would tell us how we're doing. Tell us how we're doing. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. We're trying to keep this short. I know the last episode we got really long-winded. That happens sometimes. We're trying to keep it quick this week. Yeah, Yeah. you know, but that doesn't matter, man. Sometimes, like, I like stuff that's longer. I can't always get a barometer of it. But like, if you told me what you guys like, I'll give you exactly what you want. Hell yeah! All right, for the people. So I want to also thank my guest, my guest, my co-host. Might as well just say it. You are now my co-host, Dylan. That's me. I would like to thank Olivia for playing Nintendo Switch the whole time. She's so good at that. Good job, Olivia. Nice, nice Velveteen Dream shirt. And I would thank uh, Don't forget over here. the most important person here, Sammy, who did not bark what? once nice. this whole episode. Good that is the first boy. time he has never barked oh. throughout a whole episode. Good job, you squishy-faced little <laughs> bastard. So, yeah, guys, thank you for listening. Keep uh, watching the skies or whatever you do. <laughs> And we will see you next time for some movies based on television shows. Hell yeah, we will. Thanks, guys. We'll finally feel some of our pain as we fall and eat.